And the answer was something we never contemplated. The answer was, I now get to have family dinner with my kids every night at our table in our house. Before Feed the Fridge, I was going to soup kitchens, which had drug use, crime, was scary to bring children there. I work full time, I pay rent, so there's no extra money. So for the last, at that point it was a year, we've had family dinner together every single night. Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast, a philanthropist guide to charitable organizations. I'm your host, Jamie Truman. This podcast is for philanthropists that are actively looking to expand their donor portfolio. So no more coffee chats, no more spending hours researching organizations. I'm doing all the work for you. Today, I spoke with Mark Buecher. Mark is not only the co-owner of Medium Rare, he's the founder of Feed the Fridge. Feed the Fridge is not only transforming food insecurity, but also helping local restaurants. 100% of the proceeds of Feed the Fridge goes directly to the cost of making meals. Mark takes care of all of the admin costs and the cost of the fridges. That is exactly why Truman Charities has decided to partner up with Feed the Fridge for our annual Halloween event on October 29th. We are going to be telling you all about the details in our interview, but we're also going to be talking to Mark about how he is transforming food insecurity into meal security. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Mark, how did you come up with the concept of Feed the Fridge? You know, it was uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. The interesting story goes back before COVID, we would open up the restaurants on Thanksgiving Day to cook deep fry people's turkeys for them for free. And the concept was, well, we have a rest- we've got fryers, we've got fire suppression systems. I know what I'm doing. Don't burn your house down or burn yourself. We'll just bring it to me and we'll do it for free. In the first year, we had maybe, you know, 10 or 12 people, but it, it was hard work hot and my forearms are burned to my elbows and I walk out to my car after cleaning up that day and there was what appeared to be a, a piece of paper under my windshield wiper and I'm like who the you give me a ticket after going through all this and it was a note from a mom who had her, her family in the in a local shelter a block away from the restaurant who thanked me for being able to cook their Thanksgiving turkey because she received it for free from a Thanksgiving meal giveaway but had no ability to cook it. I'm like, well, now I got to do this every year. So that kind of got me introduced to food insecurity, a little bit of a different level where people are receiving food, but don't have the ability to cook the food. We're heading into our 16th year doing the, um, the turkey fry. Two years ago in the middle of COVID, we did over 2,000 people at Nats Park. That's how big it's gotten. So come March 2020, before COVID was really a thing, and no politics here, there was an announcement made by the CDC, I think it was March 3rd, if you're over the age of 70 or you're immune compromised to stay inside your house and kind of quarantine yourself away from COVID, come summertime, the virus doesn't survive in outside heat, you're going to be fine and everything's going to be fine. So I put a tweet out that night that was heard around the world. I said, if you're in the DC area, you know of anyone in this situation, we will deliver them a free steak dinner for medium rare no questions asked because I knew my father who was 84 when he passed away, he was stuck without food or quarantine inside. My sister and I would have no way to get him food. He didn't have a smartphone. He didn't, wasn't a real user of that technology. Didn't have an iPad. Didn't even have an email address. Just that his generation 
didn't have that. So like did it. Well, 30,000 dinners later, we through massive volunteers. It was an, it was an amazing, I joke that we went from hospitality to humanitarianism like that. And we did that. My medium rare team and my staff stepped up and my family stepped up and we did that for almost two years. As we started doing that, folks in the hunger space in our region realized that I had the ability to get hungry people food quicker than they could or more efficient than they could. So the local governments and local healthcare officials were calling me to get meals to families in crisis or kids in crisis. We did that happily. Fast forward to the summertime. And if you remember, in-person or virtual school was a last minute decision in the fall of 2020, in the end of summer 2020. It was almost like no school district wanted to say what they were doing first because it was so political. And the minute the first district dropped locally, which was DC, I said, we're going to go virtual. I immediately went to them and said, what, what's going on with school meals? What's the plan? They didn't have a plan. You know, like, we don't have one. You can help us. When then I'm like, well, where are the kids going to go? Because those who don't have food often don't have internet access. So the whole idea of virtual school doesn't work. They're going to be at our parks and rec centers where Xfinity has given us free hotspots and Google's giving us free tablets. I said, great. Can I put a refrigerator there and just fill it with medium rare meals? Free. So the kids can take them home. They're like, sure. They gave me six locations. We installed six fridges and started bringing meals. That's kind of how we started. How did you end up helping food insecurity in the neighborhood plus helping local restaurants stay open? So that's a great question. Why restaurants, right? Well, I realized that there were dozens of problems affecting solutions to hunger, not just in our region, but in the country. We've spent billions upon billions of dollars as a society with soup kitchens and food pantries, and yet their own data keeps showing that hunger isn't getting any better. So I keep, you know, the old line, if you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, it's insanity. So like, it just doesn't work. So then I, I became somewhat of an advocate. I said, do you want to feel good or do you want to solve it? Because I can make you feel good, but we're not solving anything. And I said, you know, restaurants were really struggling in COVID. We didn't know what to do or how to do it. There was no operations manual, how to survive a pandemic in the restaurant business. So we had to kind of like invent it as we're going to, you know what? I need to buy these meals from restaurants because I am a restaurateur and I am sensitive to that stress. And I wanted to keep restaurants open and I wanted to keep them fully employed because that would have had other effects on our communities. And everything kind of flows into the restaurant business, employment, suppliers, real estate, rent, taxes. It all kind of rolls in. So I wanted to keep that part of our economy boosted up and also help my friends in the restaurant business stay alive. So people started asking, how can we help? We started getting a little press and a little media as to what we were doing. And then people started calling saying, how can we help? We'd like to donate. Well, at that point, they were just buying gift cards at Medium Rare. And we were doing the meals out of Medium Rare. Then in August of 2020, we formed 501c3, a nonprofit. So we can accept grants and get another money. And the premise was, we're going to buy meals from restaurants every day, ready to eat or ready to heat meals that we're going to put in these refrigerators. So we're going to, the cuisine is going to be different every day. People are going to have exposure and experience different cuisines. They're going to be balanced. We went to the American Academy of Pediatrics, not the USDA. There's no lobbying or politics on my end. And we asked the question that really no one asked, but because I'm a restaurant guy, how much protein and carbohydrate does it take to keep a person satiated for eight hours? That's the question we asked. And they gave us the answers. Eight ounces of protein, matching carbohydrate, and a matching vegetable. So those are our meal guidelines. And 
we've been doing that ever since. And for an elderly person, it's actually two meals. So we've stuck to that. We buy them from restaurants. We pumped at least $3 million into the local restaurant scene since we've started, if not more. And it's now grown because chefs are trained to transform ingredients, right? So if we think about this, they can take a rutabaga and turn it into a cookie. They can take, they can see things that others don't see. So I fell in love with the creativity of chefs and the culinary arts in a mission to eradicate hunger. I said, chefs and restaurants are the key to do it. How do you choose which restaurants are going to be involved with Feed the Fridge? So there's, there's a few things. One is depending where the fridge is, we use neighborhood restaurants to support the fridge in that community. We're all about community building. So whether we're in Frederick, Maryland, Oxon Hill, Maryland, or we're in Ward 6 or 7 in D.C., we use a local restaurant within blocks of that refrigerator to buy those meals from. And how do you decide where these fridges are going to be located? Obviously, the list is longer than our current ability to supply, which is why what we're doing with you is so great. Every week, we get requests for refrigerators. We go where the need is, but the requirement is that the refrigerators need to be outside, open access, no permission asked, no doors to get behind, no one controlling the food. It's no signups, no questions, take what you need. And that's the beauty of what we do. Can you give me an example of a meal that someone would receive? So today's meal, you know, it was always funny. My, I used to go to overnight camp and when it was parents visiting day, my father used to always say, what'd you have for dinner last night? Knowing that the dinner before visiting day was going to be like the best meal of the summer. Today, today's meals were chaya vegan bowls. The chain chaya out of Georgetown prepared vegan bowls. So the protein came from beans and legumes and people love, thought they'd hate it. They love it. Yesterday was rasa, Indian food. Chicken tiki masala is our number one most popular item that we put in the refrigerators. And everyone said it wouldn't work. And uh, the day before that was barbecue, from Mission Barbecue. And every week we try to do the same, the same cuisine on every day. So everyone knows Friday is Italian day, Thursday is vegan day, Monday is Indian day. So they get in the pattern of knowing what's coming. This is a full-on, full-fledged restaurant meal. And that's one of the big things we're doing. We're, you don't need to feed poor people poor meals. Or those who are hungry aren't necessarily poor. They're just food insecure. They may have jobs and be paying rent. They just don't have money to feed their kids. Dignity is the key. And I talked about that. I was, I was lucky enough to uh, speak at the White House yesterday. And that's what I spoke about. Dignity in, the, in, the, in their Nutrition Hunger Summit. Now, you've mentioned your father a couple times during this interview. What do you think he would think about what you've accomplished with Feed the Fridge? Well, my sister reminded me yesterday, both, both my parents are are not with us, but they would be totally freaking out knowing that I was invited to the White House to talk about hunger, right? You know, I've always been entrepreneurial. I'm just using it now to help people. I'm using that entrepreneurial know-how to help people. I, I mean, besides, I know I know he's proud, but um, he'd probably be giving me a list of friends saying, hey, Sam needs this, you know, make sure they're on the list tonight. Tonight's the pizza, right? Think of the, the veal tonight, you know? <laughs> And what was your first meal from Medium Rare when you first started this? Do you remember? We, oh, yeah. We did steak salads. And, you know, steak was, is, we still do them. And the steak's a big hit. But again, we do the same steak we serve in the restaurants. It's really important to us. What have you learned about either the community or yourself since starting Feed the Fridge? So I learned a lot. Let's go back. I had somewhat of a naive instinct, but I always believed in humanity. So when we first told public officials that we were going to put open access refrigerators 
in the communities, nobody said it would work. Not a single person. Well, the one person in D.C. said it would work. But in Montgomery County, Maryland, and Prince George's County, Maryland, and Arlington County, Virginia, it'll never work. People are going to vandalize the fridges. They're going to tip them over, going to steal all the meals. You can't trust people. And I said, you can trust people. People are good. Humanity is good. And in times of crisis, it will come through. And I'm willing, and it costs you nothing. So I'm willing to do this at my expense to show you how good it is. So we came up with affirmations on the side of each of our fridges because we care, you're important, you're our future. And what has happened is communities have embraced these fridges. It almost is, we become the neighbor that can be counted on. So not just food, back to school supplies, go in the fridges. When there was a baby formula shortage, we filled the fridges every day with hundreds of doses of baby formula for two months when no one else could find it or get it. Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving, we put little snacks in them and fun things in them. Um, and we haven't had one in two and a half years, not one act of vandalism. As a matter of fact, the fridge that's in the riskiest at riskiest area of DC down in Anacostia is open in a parking lot. And it's in front of the Anacostia Smithsonian Community Center. But when it snows, the neighbor comes out and they shovel a walkway to the fridge. They brush all the snow off of it. They make sure it's clean and they salt the walk. The neighborhood does it. So we are big believers in humanity and that humanity and integrity and careness, love always wins. That's what I've learned. How do you see feed the fridge in the future? So it's exciting. So I'm actually headed to London next week because feed the fridge is being expanded into London by a group over there, which is cool. Wow. That's huge. Really cool. We've always started it for it to be copied. Everything we've built about Feed the Fridge, it's operating manuals, it's operating systems, the way we meet health department requirements and the way we maintain our equipment, acquire our equipment is kind of what we do differently than other community fridge operations around the country. We don't do snacks. I don't do granola. I don't do little things. I don't use residential refrigerators. So we kind of maintain health standards and a group in London is, is replicating it. We're also talking with Los Angeles. Hopefully, January, there'll be a Feed the Fridge in every LA Unified School District Elementary School um, that they're working on copying it. This works. The data that we're getting back from Feed the Fridges are incredible. Not just people getting the meals, but we're getting back data that violent crime is down by 100%, meaning violent crime has gone to zero within three blocks of every Feed the Fridge location. Now, whether it's related to Feed the Fridge or not, it's something that happens in that community. And we like to think maybe it's because of the availability of meals. We also, in communities in D.C. now, are handing out meals every day with Metropolitan Police Department in their homicide reduction zones. So that's effective where they're going door to door and saying, who needs dinner? And those meals are being provided for by Feed the Fridge. That's also helped. More police in the neighborhood, too, certainly had an impact. Teenage pregnancy, down Hospital visits for nutrition-related or dehydration have almost been eliminated. School attendance is up. The numbers are pretty incredible. And one great story as a mom, you'll appreciate this. It's the one thing that was unanticipated. We thought we covered all the bases. Meals, dietary, type of fridge, affirmations on the side of the fridge, locations. There was a Canadian film crew last Christmas that was following our delivery driver along the route. And they would interview people that were going up to the fridge and some people wanted to be interviewed. So some people consented, some people didn't. There was a mom that came up with two young kids and a four-year-old girl and a six-year-old boy. And they kind of got it. It was, it was a snowy day. They got up, they got the fridge, they all got their meals. And they asked the mom, can we ask you a question? She said, no. 
okay. And then she realized she thought about it. She was okay. She came back and they asked her the same question they asked everybody, which was, what does this mean to you? And the answer was something we never contemplated. The answer was, I now get to have family dinner with my kids every night at our table in our house. Before Feed the Fridge, I was going to soup kitchens, which, which had drug use, crime, homelessness. It was scary to bring children there. I work full time. I pay rent, but there's no extra money. And you know what it's like waiting in line at a, a soup kitchen with two young kids and they run out of food, 10 people in front of you, and then we got to go home. Feed the Fridge has taken that equation out of my world. So for the last, at that point, it was a year, we've had family dinner together every single night. Now, what does that mean for their kids? What are their kids going to do in their communities when they grow up? Are they going to remember this? How are they going to give back? It's just incredible stuff that the impact and strength of that is just overwhelming. That's so touching because that's things that a lot of people like myself take for granted. Of course, you know, you can eat with your kids at night. You don't think about these things. You and I and our friends, we don't worry about if there's dinner on the table tonight. Usually the call comes across at noon. What do you want for dinner tonight? Right. What are you thinking for dinner? It's different as opposed to where are we going to get dinner tonight or can we get dinner tonight? Or I got to think about pulling something together. It's all your focus. You can't work. You can't even concentrate at work if, that's, if you're focused on feeding your children. What does that mean? We're really focused on that data now with, with the D.C. mayor's office and the governors of Virginia and Maryland are now involved in this. We are really proving all, all public policy is not quite right. Now, how are your donations utilized? So. What's unusual about Feed the Fridge, 100% of every dollar we raise goes to food. There's no administrative cost load on this. There's no, there's no other organizational costs applied to these dollars. I pick all those up myself, and that's what we do. So we take in $100, it buys our meals are $6 a piece, and that's how many meals it buys. It's an easy equation, but we take everything we get and we buy meals with it. The refrigerators we buy ourselves, it's not even part of the equation. Wow. You know, when my husband came and told me about Feed the Fridge a little while ago, and that was one of the things that really got to me was how much of the donations go directly to food. So it's fantastic what you've been able to do. So let's talk a little bit about how Truman Charities and Feed the Fridge has partnered together for Truman Charities annual Halloween event. That will I am so excited. I hope you've been thinking about your costume, Mark. Oh, I got my costume. <laughs> um, so it's going to be October 29th at Tommy Joe's from 6 to 10. You can purchase your tickets on TrumanCharities.com or FeedTheFridge.org. Um, and just so people have a little bit of an idea of some of the live auction items that we have, I know, Mark, you donated a dinner for 10 in your home. Is that correct? That's correct. Oh my gosh. Let's do it. I know. That's come, amazing. I will come to your house. We'll bring the wine. We'll bring steak. We will give you the medium rare experience in your home with your best friends start to finish. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. We've done it before. It's a blast. It's a great night. And I'll cook. I didn't even cook in my own house. <laughs> that's how much she's excited about this party. And also, we have a couple other things. I'm just going to name a few. We have a three-day and two-night at the Hard Rock in Florida with a $100 dinner credit. And we also have a three-day, two-night at Resort World in Bimini, Bahamas. So that's just to name a couple things. And also, we are going to have prizes for couples, costumes, slash group, or individual. 
costume. And so we cannot wait for everybody to be there. Mark, do you have anything else to say about our upcoming event that we have? I'm really excited. And, you know, it's a night to really come out. Gathering is great. Partying is great. I want this to be a celebration of you guys, of Truman Charities, the amazing things you guys do and pulling people together. And the fact that Feed the Fridge was chosen by you guys is just, it, it warms my heart. I'm grateful. I'm humbled. And I promise to do great things with the funds raised and really, really, really make an impact in our community. So everyone come out as often as you can. I mean, buy tickets for friends and family that may not make it. This is our big fundraising event. So we'd love, we'd love to get as much people engaged as we can. And just like Feed the Fridge, Truman Charities, 100% of every dollar that is raised goes directly to Feed the Fridge. So before I let you go, Mark, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would want people to know? I think there are a lot of people that caring about those who are hungry is, is kind of, it makes us all feel good. And I think now that we're coming out of COVID, I think COVID's taught me a few lessons. And if you support a nonprofit, you support a nonprofit's mission, let it be Feed the Fridge or, or anything else, think about the overall impact of the mission. Think about if the nonprofit really wants to solve a problem where as much of the money as possible goes towards the solution. Not everyone can do 100%. We're in a unique situation, but don't let 50 cents of a dollar go towards ad. Ask the question. Don't let 50 cents of a dollar go to admin costs or overhead. Because at that point, we're just treading water. We're not solving anything. Mm, I couldn't agree with you more. Mark, how can people follow you? Well, you can find me personally on Instagram at, at Mark H. Buker. Don't forget the H. Um, you can follow Feed the Fridge, feedthefridge.org, and Feed the Fridge on Instagram. It's pretty active. You know, Facebook, you can find me. But we try to, I do the best I can at keeping people informed of what we're doing, what we're seeing, and the differences we're making. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for taking the time to talk to us today. And I hope we will see everyone on October 29th. And make sure to buy your tickets on trumancharities.com or feedthefridge.org. And thank you for everyone that took the time to listen to another episode of the Truman Charities podcast. Until next time. If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate and review our podcast. That is how more people learn about the Truman Charities podcast and our organization. And to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you'd like to follow Truman Charities, you can follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities, Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities, and check out our website, trumancharities.com.